Pastor Tom Keller shares this very good news. There is some good news, some very good news. God has a plan to redeem and restore mankind to get you and me back to that original plan, to a world where there is no death, there is no sickness, there is no sorrow, not even any sin. And God's plan has a name, and the name is Jesus. Jesus came to earth, I think, for basically two reasons. One, to show us what God looks like. But the second reason he came was to pay the price needed to be paid to get us back to the original plan, to get us back to living in that unimaginable joy of heaven, world without end. Welcome to Study the Word and another day of Spirit-inspired teaching by Pastor Tom Keller. Tom is the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. He's leading us through a series of studies from the Gospel of John. Today we're continuing in chapter 11 where Jesus resurrects Lazarus and the religious leaders begin a conspiracy to put Jesus to death. Pastor Tom starts off with a little background. We're so glad you're here. John chapter 11 we introduced this story last week by saying that the raising of Lazarus from the dead was a watershed event, in that from this point forward, the religious leaders turned the heat up to boil on their plans to kill Jesus. Listen to the conversation of the religious leaders that takes place at an emergency meeting called immediately after the raising of Lazarus because of him being raised from the dead. John 11, verse 45 Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen, when he was raised from the dead. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council, the Sanhedrin, together. What are we going to do, they asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Caiaphas, who was high priest at the time, you can see him saying so cool and calm and collected and devious. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. And note that this takes place right before Jesus' last week because Five verses later, in, after this, it says this, it was now almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration. And many people from all over the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early so they could go through the purification ceremony before Passover began. So Jerusalem is packed with people during this time. Now, some quick background. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are all dear friends of Jesus. In all probability, Jesus spent most of his nights staying with this brother and sisters in their home when he would have been ministering in and around Jerusalem. And his friend Lazarus is sick, in fact, very sick. But Jesus waits and only goes to see Lazarus four days after he dies. And as Jesus is still some distance away from Bethany, Lazarus' sister Martha walks out to meet Jesus, to my understanding, to my reading of this passage, 
to complain about Jesus' delay in coming four days after he had already died. John 11, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. So we pick up there this morning in verse 28. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. And in character with Mary, so Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now I find it interesting Back in Luke chapter 10, we are given a clear photograph of the two distinct and different natures of these sisters, Mary and Martha. The account is Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed her into, him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Can anybody relate to this kind of an attitude? I can. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, King James says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. I don't think Martha was convinced. So we see here that Martha is an A-type, a hard charger, a worker bee, whereas Mary is the gentle, kind, soft-spoken, sitting wide-eyed at Jesus' feet sister, oblivious to the work her sister is doing. And yet here in this account, today, it reads as though Mary is as tough on Jesus as Martha was. Listen to verse 32. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. They both say exactly the same words, exactly the same. But there's one big difference. Mary falls at Jesus' feet as she said this. Whereas Martha stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with Jesus, but they both said exactly the same thing. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But the scene surrounding Mary is very different from the scene when Martha went preemptively to meet with Jesus. Here in verse 31, it says that those who had been mourning with Mary in her house got up and followed her to Lazarus' tomb, where apparently Mary had gone to meet Jesus. And rather than responding to Mary's statement, Jesus seems to be somewhat caught off guard, if that's possible. I know it's not possible, but it reads like that. It's almost like Jesus is caught off guard, because in verse 33, it says this about Jesus. When Jesus saw her, Mary, weeping, and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. 
ESV says it this way. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Deeply moved in his spirit, greatly troubled. If you have a King James or New King James, it says he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. In Greek, the word for groaned is embrimaomai. Morris, the commentator, says, quote, the verb rendered groaned here is an unusual one. It signifies, listen, a loud, inarticulate noise. And its proper use appears to be originally for the snorting of horses. Strong's adds to that, quote, to have indignation or to be angry. And verse 33 adds, deeply troubled. In Greek, that means vehemently agitated, to take away one's calmness of mind. And the extent of Jesus being deeply troubled is shown in verse 35. When Jesus saw her, Mary, weeping, and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Then Jesus wept. This is the shortest verse in the Bible, three words, then Jesus wept. I remember my mom telling me when she was a little girl at Church of the Brethren, once in a while they would get the people to come up out of the pews and stand around the inside perimeter of the sanctuary and they start with the first person they all have to give a memorized verse. And she said a high percentage of them would say Jesus wept and Jesus wept and Jesus wept and Jesus wept. That was their go-to for their memorized verse. So if you ever have to come up with one fast, three words, then Jesus wept. Now, There is a question that follows this, however, and this is the million-dollar question this morning. Why did Jesus utter a loud, inarticulate groan of indignation? Why was he deeply troubled? Why did he weep? Well, we are never specifically told. The commentator Ellicott gives some interesting insights as to maybe why. Listen to this. This is paraphrasing his statements. He says, very different views have been put forth as to the cause of this intense emotion in our Lord in this place. Real sorrow for the loss of his friend is at the very same time accompanied by the mockery of sorrow whereby these religious leaders can shed tears for Lazarus. These same men whom Jesus knows by foreknowledge will soon afterwards seek to kill Lazarus. This same one for whom they are found here currently mourning for. He says these religious leaders are the very same ones who had sought to stone Jesus and had resolved to excommunicate from the synagogue everyone who acknowledged Jesus as Messiah. And yet Mary, Martha, and Lazarus accepted Jesus as the Messiah. With hearts full of hatred, they at the same time professed to be comforters and mingle their tears with these two sisters. He says the severest words that fell from the lips of Christ were when Jesus denounced the hypocrisy of priests, Pharisees, and scribes. He ends by saying, it is this hypocrisy which now stirs in Jesus' spirit an anger so intense that it causes nerve and muscle and limb to tremble within and without by way of righteous indignation. Powerfully said. 
That could be. But there's a second possibility. I suspect that when Jesus saw these two dear sisters weeping with sorrow, devastated by the sudden loss of their brother, Jesus is angry concerning this very real, tragic, mind-numbing consequence which could be traced back to Adam's sin in the garden. Why? Because death and suffering were not a part of God's original plan, was it? No. God's original plan was life in the garden, uncorrupted by sin, every single day, literally, literally, heaven on earth, where we know that Adam actually walked with God in the garden. Imagine walking with God in the garden. And I think it's interesting that the Bible says that we too as Christians groan, the same word, groan, over this same loss of innocence. Romans 8, 20. You know, I remember, this isn't in my notes, talk about loss of innocence. I remember when I was a little kid and I went to first grade, I remember coming home, standing next to my mom in the kitchen. I remember her at the sink. I remember looking up and I thought for the first time in my life, I've learned things at school that I can't tell you. And I knew that my innocence was lost. Do you know what I mean? Before that, there was no wall between us. But now I had learned things, heard things that I couldn't tell her. And that loss of innocence, I'm sure you as parents have seen that with your children at a certain age. You, you see that go away. And it's the same thing for us. It says, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning. Here it is again, groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Do you? What a day. To be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. What a day. So always remember, when you lose a loved one, or whenever you attend a funeral, that Jesus is right there at that service with you, isn't he? Wherever two or three are gathered, I am in the midst of them. And as you picture him there in that room with all of you, mourning, I believe, I picture him groaning, maybe even being angry over the loss of that original design that has caused this suffering to be taking place. But there is some good news, some very good news. God has a plan to redeem and restore mankind to get you and me back to that original plan, to a world where there is no death, there is no sickness, there is no sorrow, not even any sin. And God's plan has a name, and the name is Jesus. Jesus came to earth, I think, for basically two reasons. One, to show us what God looks like. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the, for the Father and I are one. But the second reason he came was to pay the price needed to be paid to get us back to the original 
plan to get us back to living in that unimaginable joy of heaven, world without end. Amen? What a day. And then these hypocritical religious leaders say something that I believe confirms my thesis on the reason for Jesus' groaning and indignation. Listen, verse 36. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? That's the high road. But some critics say, but some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. Again, King James says again here, groaning like the snorting of a horse, to have indignation, to be vehemently agitated by what they said. Why? Because they said that Jesus couldn't keep Lazarus from dying. It, in fact, was Jesus' plan A, never to have anyone die. It wasn't his plan. And I believe it made Jesus angry that they pin on him the blame for Lazarus' death, whereas that blame rested squarely on their ancestor Adam's shoulders. And then verse 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the man's dead sister, protested. I picture this as a whisper. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. And Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Now these grave clothes were long strips of cloth wrapped around and around the body over and over. What a scene this would have been. Now back in verse 19, we're told that many people had come to mourn. There are six different Greek words for many. The Greek word used here is polis, which means numerous, much, many, great. It says especially when used of a number. This same Greek word polis is used in Matthew 8, verse 1, where it says large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. So because of this large crowd witnessing his resurrection, this news is broadcast far and wide. So picture the scene. There's a rolling stone cave. Jesus says, roll the stone away. Now, a rolling stone is in a track, and the track is always slanted, so it's easy to close it, but difficult to open it. And so it would have taken a large number of men to push this stone and roll it out of the way. They do. And as they roll it aside, Martha, trying to protect her brother's honor, says, but we will be overcome by the stench of this. Please don't dishonor my brother in this way. And Jesus responds, but didn't I tell you? You will see God's glory if you believe, Martha. And then Jesus looks up to heaven and he prays a very short prayer. Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people so they will believe that you sent me. 
And then in verse 43, Jesus shouts out, Lazarus, come forth. Now, why didn't he just yell, come forth? Well, it's been said that Jesus specifically mentioned Lazarus' name alone here because Jesus is standing in a field full of probably hundreds of tombs. And if he just would have cried, come forth, it would have resulted in a very different outcome. A lot of very surprised husbands, a lot of very surprised wives at who came forth. Imagine that. I thought about insurance policies having to be paid back. And then verse 45, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. This was to the detriment of the religious leaders. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then their leading priests and Pharisees called the high council, the Sanhedrin, together. What are we going to do, they asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Caiaphas, who was a high priest at that time, said, cool, calm, collected, devious. I picture the squint of his eyes. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. From the reading of the scripture... I believe this is the absolute low point for the enemies of Jesus. Listen again, verse 47 and 48. The leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do, they asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go in like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. They've never talked this desperately as they do here. That was their low point. And their high point is less than a week away. In John 19, verse 12, as Jesus is before Pilate, it says, then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leader shouted, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. And then two verses later, verse 14 it was now about noon on the day of the preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, he's trying to release Jesus. He brings him out on the bench. Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. I think Pilate was floored. Never expected that. What? Crucify your king, Pilate asked. And then this is so demonic. This is the ultimate hypocrisy if there was any group of people that did not believe what is said next, it were the religious leaders. They hated Rome. And they said, again, that, that demonic look in their eyes, inspired by Satan, we have no king but Caesar. The leading priest shouted back, then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. I think that was their high point. Because in that moment when they said, we have no king but Caesar, they knew they had Pilate. Because if he didn't control this, with Jerusalem filled with like three million people, it was a powder keg. And if it got back to Rome that he couldn't control the people, he'd lose his position. They had him. They knew it, and he knew it. And from this point on, Jesus was crucified. 
You're listening to Study the Word with Pastor Tom Keller and part of our study in the Gospel of John. Replay any message you enjoy by going to our website, ccleb.com, or visit our YouTube page. Subscribe to our channel at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon, and watch our services live or on demand. For a CD copy, call us at 717-273-5633. Again, that's 717-273-5633. Stay connected with us through Facebook and Instagram. You'll find us at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon, PA. God is doing a great work through Study the Word, and perhaps you'd like to be a part of it. You can do so through your prayers and financial support. To help us provide Study the Word on stations like this one all across the nation, visit ccleb.com or call 717-273-5633. If you prefer to write, let me give you our mailing address, Study the Word. 740 Willow Street, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, 17046. Tom Keller is the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Lebanon, and he loves to meet his radio listeners. For more information about our service times or to watch the live stream, visit ccleb.com. Or again, go to our YouTube channel at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. There's much more to come in the Gospel of John. Join us in the days ahead. Study the Word with Pastor Tom Keller is presented by Calvary Chapel, Lebanon, Pennsylvania and made possible through the support of our listeners.